Hello, my name is Ran and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode we interview inspiring movers, thinkers and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. For today's episode, Joe and I catch up with Tom Gargiulo. Tom is the co-owner of Northside Fitness, a strength and conditioning slash CrossFit gym in Fairfield, Melbourne. Now, Ran, you may be asking, isn't this a yoga podcast? Well, yes and no. While I love yoga and meditation, I do have an interest in many other types of movement modalities. And I think that we can grow as people and as teachers by learning from other people with different experiences and backgrounds. Now, funnily enough, I actually did CrossFit for a while a few years back, and in all honesty, I was terrible at it. Still, I love the movements and the amazing feeling of euphoria you would get in your entire body after a workout. Now, I've known Tom for a while, and I don't feel he fits the stereotype of what a CrossFitter might be, or even if there is one, but I think he's an amazing athlete in his own right. He's an extremely down-to-earth guy, and I've bumped into him after a couple of yoga classes, and I know he is a very committed yogi. In addition, both Tom and his partner are vegans, which is pretty uncommon in the CrossFit community, so you might be able to tell already he's an interesting person. Now, in this conversation, we learn all about Tom and his background as a competitive rower, including a stint at Twickenham Rowing Club, and we also hear about his time working in the military. We learn how he studied sports science as a mature student and realised he'd found his calling. We learn all about how Tom discovered CrossFit and why he loves it so much. And we also hear about Tom's work in aged care. He even has one client who recently turned 100. So you can probably tell he's a compassionate guy who sets up a supportive and inclusive environment that really helps his clients develop and stay safe and fit. I really love what he had to say, so make sure you stick around for this conversation. Now, before we get into it, if you've got any questions or you'd like to get in touch, give us some feedback, check out our website at podcast.flowartist.com. We've got a group on Facebook, it's the Flow Artist Podcast group, and you can also reach us on Twitter. As always, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. We'd really love to reach as many people as we possibly can. All right, so that's enough of the blatant self-promotion. Let's get on with the conversation. Do you prefer Tom or Tommy? Uh, Tom. Tom. Well, okay. yeah, mum calls me that. Yeah. annoying everything, so Tommy, so it's Tom's. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to program that out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really Either one or the other. You can call me Tommy, it's fine. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Tom, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. So perhaps we could start off in, uh, by you telling us a bit about your background and where you grew up. So I grew up in Tasmania and I moved to Melbourne with my wife six years ago, so 2012, I think, because we're trying to work it out today, when we actually came to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just grew up there my entire life and then sort of moved out of home when I was 18, pretty much, and then went travelling for a year, did a whole bunch of other stuff, a few different careers, and then I'd always been training the whole time, ever since I was a kid, really. Because um, you're a competitive roller, right? I did do that. Before I did that, I did Taekwondo. And I used to actually teach that because I got quite high, and then they asked me to help with that. So that was kind of my first experience with coaching, I guess. And then rowing. Yeah, rowing I got picked up through, they used to do a Institute of Sports kind of talent search 
thing. This was just after kind of like Sydney Olympics. I think they had all this money and they were like, yeah. So they got all the schools to do all this testing and I got picked for rowing. So were you a rower then? Or were they just yeah. like, this guy's got the build? And... Yeah, no, I just did row. I just did mountain biking and kind of just finished That's with so martial interesting. arts. interesting. Yeah, they just run, run you through a batch of tests. So like the beat test, which is like shuttle sprinting. And you just basically see how high you can go before you get knocked out um, without making the beep in time. And then sort of more ballistic stuff like throwing things, um, jumping and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, that would be sort of take away all those results. And I was picked for rowing, cycling and decathlon. And rowing I was kind of already interested in anyway. So then I just sort of started doing that and they set you up with a club. So I rowed for Mersey Rowing Club and, yeah, did that for... A really long time. And rowing is like early mornings. As yeah, well. it's brutal. It's, yeah. it's early morning because you have to get the flat water yeah, before huh. the, the waves come through because it's all yeah on the water. So cold mornings, in not Tassie. Much fun. <laughs> yeah, tiny little yeah, little rowing suit. It's not exactly the most exciting thing, but um yeah, once you sort of get to the regattas and you're competing, it's quite fun. So it's just a lot of training that gets involved that we were doing uh, when we were sort of really pushing for you know, going to nationals and things like that, probably what, 10 sessions a week, Wow, which is a lot. Yeah. So you'd be doing double days most of the time. And then, so were you at school while this was happening? Um, yeah. So so you kind of fit school in the middle of that? Yeah. I was uh, probably more like one of those students that was, could have done more if I applied myself because I was just like, I didn't want to be in the classroom. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. If I find something that I enjoy, I will just like zero in on it. Otherwise, it's just trying to drag myself through what I have to. So I love science. I'm a massive reader. Like I read a lot, um, very varied stuff. So yeah, science and maths and physics and stuff was really good for me. So I didn't really find school that hard. So I was kind of lucky. Like I didn't really have to do a whole lot to do quite well. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of cruised it. I just kind of had to cruise, yeah. yeah. So if I couldn't get the homework done at school, I just didn't do it basically, um, which kind of infuriated my parents <laughs> to no end. But then I just had an extra elective, which was kind of like for athletes, which allowed me to do either homework then or I could fit it in another training session. So we were pretty successful. Like my squad, there was four of us. Uh, we won sort of four state championships and I actually came third at nationals. Awesome. In the heavyweight division, which is very competitive. And I'm clearly not heavyweight, so it's pretty funny when you get out of the boat, and I was even smaller then, and, you know, you're as big as the cock, so that's the one that steers the boat. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, but, yeah, so then I sort of finished my last season of rowing, um, and I was in England rowing for a little while at Twickenham Rowing Club. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was working there, and then I travelled came back, did another few seasons of rowing, and then I was in the Air Force. Yeah, I know, right? You probably don't know all this stuff. No! <laughs> yeah, so I was actually in the military. I was an Air Force officer. Wow. So, yeah, so I did my officer training at Point Cook. Are you naturally just... a really disciplined person? Because you seem to be... Um, um, or I... just respond well to structure? Yeah, sort of. Not really. Yeah. I've like, had backpacks, which is no yeah, structure. Yeah, yeah. You seem so laid back. Yeah, and... I think sort of, that's probably why I didn't last that long in the military. Yeah. I, I really struggled with people who just take things a little too seriously. Just with, just... Like with shoe shininess and things like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, like I was like, could apply myself and do all that sort of thing. But yeah. It's just more that culture and you're moving around a lot, which, you know, 
it's fine if you're single, but if you have a partner, it's just like impossible because you're just getting going here and you're going there and you're just never at home half the time. So you ended up leaving there after about two and a half, three years. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do um, at that point. So obviously I enjoyed the, the physical side of stuff. Like I love that side of things in the military because it was just like bread and butter for me, really, just training and getting paid to train. It's like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did my electrical apprenticeship, which I hated. I learned a lot, especially about, you know, just dealing with people. Uh, and the same in the Air Force. It's just dealing with this really broad range of personality types, very driven people, very lazy people. Yeah, different cultures and then, you know, it's the same in the trade. It's dealing with customers and, you know, trying to please your boss and then all that sort of stuff. But I've just trying found... Trying to electrocute yourself. <laughs> trying not to electrocute yourself. <laughs> Electrical stuff. Electricity is really scary because it's not like you can smell it and you can't see it. So something can be alive. Yeah, you could be like, oh, you. You so someone else has done a shonky job some other yeah. time and, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the stuff we did was commercials, the buildings, new buildings, which is great because it's nice and easy. You can get in there and you can see everything, like rewiring houses and all that sort of stuff. Like any electrician will tell you it's just a nightmare, <laughs> <laughs> basically, because especially if it's an old house, it has really bad cabling and, you know, it's just um, fiddly and dirty and all that sort of stuff. I, I enjoyed the, the science of electrical, yeah, and I enjoyed doing stuff with the tools, but I just kind of got a bit bored with it and I just found, I don't know if it was where I worked, I was in the host company, so they would send me out to work at different places, different businesses, but the, all the businesses I worked for, the people that worked there just hated their jobs. Oh, no, that's so depressing. Which was really hard. Yeah. Because I would come in, like, enthusiastic wanting to learn, and then I would just basically get taught nothing. Yeah, because they're just over it. Because they would just whinge and whinge about how much, basically, they hated their job and their lives. And I was like, I cannot see myself yeah, it's like, doing this. this is the future, yeah, I want to do something basically, else. Basically, and I was quite miserable. And uh, Well, she wasn't my wife then, but my girlfriend and my wife now, Sarah, was like, well, you need to think about just getting out I think you know like why don't you just do something else you don't have to do this so I did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I think it was around just after then or just before I forget now that's when I found CrossFit so the bridesmaid at our wedding Paula who's really good friends with Sarah used to work together her brother-in-law owns the one in Hobart which was one of the first or the second ones there and he sort of I just contacted him. He said, can I just come in and you know, have a look? And I watched them do him and a couple of other guys do a workout. And then I was literally like, okay, where do I sign? Yeah, you're like, oh, straight away. This is my jam. And I'm like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And just the vibe and the way they sort of went about, went about it. And then it just happened from there, really. And so I was there doing all that and I just got really into it. And I had tried getting back into rowing, actually, just before then. But I was just bit over it really it gets to the point with rowing where if you don't really make a national team there isn't much more beyond that really and because in tassie it's very much like a lot of people just move away there's no youth left <laughs> right because everyone moves to the mainland which is what we call the rest of the show to study or work and so then you're just kind of stuck with a bunch of old guys and that's kind of what it was a bit like really so or they're just really too young and so i was just kind of like a bit over it and then I just sort of started immersing myself more and I started reading more about sort of strength training and CrossFit and all that sort of stuff. And then I sort of was talking with Sarah and I thought this is what I want to do for a job. Not necessarily CrossFit, but I just wanted to 
do some sort of like personal training or something like that. So we moved here. She managed to get her job transferred, which was amazing. And so she worked remotely from here. And then I studied at VU and did their sports science degree. And then, yeah, I just did some internships down at Amy Park as well and worked at a couple of different gyms just to sort of get experience. And that just kind of led to bigger and better things and to the point where now we opened up Northside 10 months ago. Cool. <laughs> Basically, I think, yeah. Perhaps if we rewind a little bit, this sports science degree. So what exactly did that involve? With fitness, it is this weird thing where it's kind of a bit, a bit unregulated, as in you can do a degree that takes three years, four years, or you can do a three-month PT course, and you basically end up with the same yeah, which it's sounds the same with yoga. Is it? You can do like a weekend course, or like my course was two years, right? And you know, you're still a yoga teacher at the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's kind of like this running joke, you know, like uh, when you do the degree, it's just you're really overqualified PT. So <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people, and it was really easy for me to going back, to, uh, going to uni. I was kind of initially quite hesitant when I was young. I was like, no, this is just not for me. Because I basically didn't want to apply myself to anything. Oh, you just hadn't found the right thing? No. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think that's why it was just good to take that time off, just to travel and then try a few different things. And they just didn't work out for whatever reason. It worked out great in the end. But when I sort of went to study sports science, I was just so focused. It was great. You know, like I was just like, yeah, give me more, you know. And then, this is what I want to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially at mature age, you know, sort of you're going there and they're like fresh out of school 18 mm. and they literally... They're just not interested. And they're like, oh, I'm going to work with elite athletes. And it's kind of like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, like there's a very not. minimal select few that will actually get to the point where they can do that. And, you know, it's great if they can get there. But it's very, Australia's very different to, like, America, for example, because in America, they will start all those performance things in high school through college, which is our uni. So there's, like, this huge pool of people you can work with. It just doesn't work the same in Australia. But, yeah, sports science, it's... It was a great course. The, the VU course is really good. It was very like in depth. We did like a lot of physiology. I took extra electives in that: psychology, nutrition, biomechanics, a lot of anatomy. Very heavy on anatomy. In my final year, I went to part time because I was doing a year long internship down at Amy Park with a performance company. And so is Amy Park? Is that footballers? Or? Um, Amy Park, oh, that's just the name of the facility. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is it all athletes? Yeah. So the place that I was doing it with. They do mainly youth, so you're exposed to just this whole range of different sports, basically. Oh, what a great internship to do. Yeah, it was. It was, you know, like AFL, soccer, netball, rowing, martial arts, which is pretty much whatever. And then, you know, using the same facilities that, you know, Melbourne Storm and the Melbourne Demons use. That's their same gym, so they just kind of like, I don't know how it worked, but we got to use it as well which is pretty cool. And they've got the punch pools, you know, like the cold pool and the hot pool and yeah, all that stuff. So yeah, as far as exposure goes, it made me probably realise I didn't want to work with elite athletes. Yeah, they're really annoying. <laughs> In what way? Uh, they're just very demanding. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. They just yeah. want to get back on the field straight away, you know, trying to sort of connect and get them to understand like why they need to do things can be a little tricky. And they, because it is, some of them are really good at their sport, and if they're not very good at something, they can't handle it. They get a bit it. frustrated. Yeah, because normally I'm so good at this, but I can't do this very simple exercise. So, yeah. Do you think there's a bit of, like, fear and vulnerability as well? Because mm. it's like, my body is my instrument and now it's failing me and you've just got to fix it for me? Basically, yeah. And, like, you know, it was, it was a case of there were ones that were injured and they had to be rehabbed, which 
in rehab is never very much fun for people because it is like very tedious a lot of the time and it's time consuming and it's frustrating especially you know especially with athletes because they just want to get straight back out there and do whatever that they do but then yeah sort of the more just normal youth athletes progressing them and getting them to understand why they needed to progress things the way they were doing it could be a little challenging but you know it's just experience really yeah and you you also have to do it the way they want you to do it which isn't always the best way, but you don't really have a choice. You just kind of have to go with the flow when it's an internship. So Yeah, I guess that's good insights as well, that your brain mm. is already thinking like, oh, if this was just my client, I'd be doing this yeah. instead. Yeah. And yeah. how can I maybe do the things that I think are best yeah. within this framework? Yeah, <laughs> and you don't want to step on people's toes. No, no, and you're there to learn. Yeah, so. and so it's just kind of like, cool, like, you know, you take away what you can from it and, you know, you learn a whole bunch of stuff I didn't really know, which was good, and they put me through quite a few different courses which was great so you know I got did get quite a bit out of it even though at the time it, it just it felt frustrating but yeah it's just one of those things when you sort of put yourself out there you learn a lot I guess it's that thing stuff. as well of like oh maybe I need to be working for myself not as part of a big um, yeah team. <laughs> yeah basically and then so I was working yeah a couple of smaller gyms I did work at a CrossFit gym and then I worked at a PT studio and then just kind of like your regular gym sort of place as well so sort of got to see a whole different range of how things are run at different places which is really pretty cool and so what is it about crossfit that really speaks to you and gets you excited i would never do sort of like pump or step like that thing sort of thing never really interests me and i've always been a team sport person like rowing is very team based like martial arts wasn't but you're doing it with a group so I think I'm a bit of a group person. I'm not really much for like just going and doing something by myself. And, you know, I did spin for a little while there and, you know, like I didn't mind that, but it just got really repetitive, right? And it's the same with those other sort of classes, right, where it's just the same thing all the time, all the time. CrossFit changes all the time. It's very varied, which is really cool. And you're learning a whole bunch of, for me, movements I'd never really done before, which is in particular was the, the weightlifting. So like the kind of thing you see on the Olympics, like the snatch and clean and jerk. So you're sort of learning that was great because it's just like, well, this is like something I've never done before. So the, the movements I found were really challenging and I liked to be challenged like that. And yeah, I just got stronger and I just felt better. And you're sort of with like-minded people. That's what I really liked about it. So yeah, they just kind of motivate you and you're motivating them just by sort of being there and participating in the classes. So yeah, I don't know, I just, I just found it, really addictive <laughs> <laughs> it seems like community and camaraderie is like something you really emphasize at Northside. like on your website the first thing you see is like this is for everybody like all yeah. welcome yeah it is and you know not every crossfit is like that and we're not really like a traditional crossfit i don't believe what do you do differently so the normal way that they would teach you like when you do your certification to be a crossfit trainer they they're basically kind of like look you know, on a Monday, you would do back squat and you will do the warm up, you explain it, you'll go through it, but that's all you will do for the session. And then you'll do a cool down and things like that. I, I sort of understand why they would do it like that, but that's not enough for me. I think it's sort of like, yeah, you know, once you've sort of shown someone how to do something and you've drilled it enough, that just kind of becomes like second nature. Like you really need to have more in there. So, and if you're just doing lifting weights and you're not doing anything that's conditioning, you're missing out then on doing conditioning. So then, you know, the next day they might say, okay, so then Monday you'll do a back squat, Tuesday we'll do a workout, and then that's it. But if it's a five, six minute workout and you just spend most of the time warming up and doing skill work, 
for a five or six minute workout. That's hard to get people to understand the real benefit of it. So why not just combine the two and do them in one in the, in the same session? So that's generally how we do it. So we will do a strength for the first half and that can be weights or it can be body weight or it can be kind of skill work, like a gymnastic skill session. And so then, would that be like headstand kind of stuff? Headstands and pull-ups and just, you know, like climbing a rope and teaching people how to do all that sort of stuff. And, or, you know, it can be doing deadlifts and things like that. And then the second part will be of the workout and the workout varies a lot in time so if we do more strength it'll be a shorter workout if it's sort of less time on strength it'll be a longer workout and then we do wednesdays are our conditioning days so there isn't any really heavy weights it's really light stuff so with kettlebells and dumbbells and it'll be interval based or like a really long sort of 40 minute workout it's just really aerobic and that sort of thing because people underestimate how important it is to have a good base fitness level and yeah it gives a chance for people to do that and then yeah we have also do like a lifting class which is just lifting three times a week which is olympic lifting so that's really where we can really hone on technique a lot yeah so we see a lot of people i try to get a lot of beginners to do that one because it's a real chance for us to help them a lot the community is a big thing yeah i think you know you've got a big wide range of ages so our oldest member out there at the moment that does crossfit uh not personal training but does crossfit 63 so she does it with her daughter and she's awesome she she loves it you know she comes in she does everything that everyone else does you know we have fly-in visits from another guy's uh another member's parents um and they're in their late 70s early 80s and they'll join in with the class and it's just modifying what they do you know, it's just lighter. The movements have to be changed slightly because, you know, mobility restrictions and things like that. But they love it because they they actually feel like, you know, I'm normal and I can do things as well with everyone else. So And, like, weight-bearing exercise is so important for well, active ageing and yeah, bone density. Older, older people, you know, it's about staving off that osteoporosis. And, then you know, weights help a lot with that, yeah, because you want to pull the minerals back in and that's what... That does it so and it's just you know i think when people retire they think that they don't have to do anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> and then um you know things start seizing up you know and they start getting knee pain and, and back pain and we just start getting them moving stretching and doing you know it's not even heavy it's just light weights very light weights really and it's even, it would probably be quite dangerous to go into a yeah, heavy weight for them room. you know they don't even we never really push them at all it's not like okay you need to put on more weight now you've got this level it's just literally like how are you feeling today things are a little bit so okay let's just go with this and you know all of the, the pain goes away and it's not there anymore and they can do all these things that they couldn't do before which is pretty cool and you're <laughs> saying one of your um, personal training clients is a hundred um, well, yeah, so I also do <laughs> I also do aged care once a week. So I go out to Footscray and I've been doing that actually for quite a while now, nearly, I think it's actually nearly three years. So my, my dad used to work in aged care. He worked in it for a really long time. So being around old people isn't really that unfamiliar for me. And I know how much they appreciate it at the homes because a lot of the time, they're not really doing a whole lot. Like they'll just kind of be there and they don't really have anyone to talk to. So I come in and I'm like, hey, let's go do stuff. And it's just like, yeah, any excuse to do something. So motivating them is not hard. They love it because they'll just talk and walk and, you know, and it really helps with, you know, what we think about trying to improve, you know, our performance or strength or something for them. It's literally like they can have a shower unaided 
you know, go to the toilet by themselves and not have to have someone do it. So as far as dignity and... Yeah, all and those things that we don't even think about don't even totally think about take it. for granted. Yeah, putting your clothes on, tying your shoes up, um, you know, and it takes pressure off the home because, you know, the staff, they don't have to be there to do that. So, yeah, it's really important. I wish that it could be even encouraged even more. Absolutely. It yeah. seems like it's such a better system to, like, yeah. empower people and give them the strength to be able to take more care of themselves and rely on carers less. Yeah. Like you'd think yeah. investing in that would pay off financially as well as in mm-hmm. people's mental health. Yeah, well, and it's simple things like they take less medication, you know, yeah. because their diabetes is under better control because... You know, they're actually doing some exercise now and, you know, all those sorts of things. And, you know, like my oldest client there who's 100, 10, 100, you know, on the 2nd of March, she's she's amazing. She can get around. She's a little bit blind, but she remembers everything. You know, she has really good memory. She has a little walk, walker frame and, you know, will walk. She can do wall squats and she does little weights and, you know, bits and pieces. And, you know, if I can be that good at 100, it'll be pretty amazing, you know. <laughs> she goes out to the shops with you know, her son and she can get around all by herself. But then on the flip side, there are people who are in their 70s who are bedridden, you know. So it really is quite, you know, different, really. Yeah. Some people have it very sort of lucky and then, you know, some people it's just a bit more challenging with what you can do with them. At the gym, having those older people in the class, I think it, it's kind of cool for the members to see that because they're like, oh, like they can do it, you know. It's kind of like, yeah. So there isn't really any excuse. Definitely. For not being able to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People love finding excuses, i found, with training. It's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't make it. But I find the older, the older members are the ones that are the most, like, they're the ones on time. They never miss a session. <laughs> 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 you know, like, they never cancel. It's just, it's really funny. Yeah. I don't know whether they've just got more time or, yeah, I don't know how that works. But, um, yeah, or maybe they just really appreciate it and value it. Like. Yeah. Health I think so. takes on a new priority. I think they just feel, they start realising how much it's actually helping their everyday life. Because we just take it for granted because we're fine. We can move around. We can do everything we want to do. You know, but you know, I had a client who couldn't tie their shoelaces. Now they, they can. You know, like that's pretty crazy that that couldn't happen before, but now it can. And so you really are empowering them a lot to sort of take control of their own lives rather than having to rely on people. So we do that sort of thing. And then... Um, <laughs> We do, yeah, a whole bunch of different stuff, really. So we do charity days as well, um, once a month. So we call it Sweat for a Cause, and we we pick a person, and they get to choose a charity of their choice. And then everyone that comes to the the workout on the that Saturday, which is the last Saturday of the month, um, we raise money. So they pay ten dollars to come, and then all that money goes to the charity. So last year we raised I think it was a bit over six grand. Oh, cool! Yeah, for just a whole range of different charities and it's kind of nice I think like the, the member gets to choose that charity and all that sort of thing rather than us dictating who it goes to and it's just a good chance sort of for people to give back a little bit um, so yeah that was that was pretty cool sort of a little initiative that's Sarah came up with that one so nice. <laughs> I have to give her credit for that <laughs> and then she cooks all the food afterwards oh wow so yeah and we do it all vegan which is pretty cool so it's sort of a interesting thing because you know people do get a little bit freaked out I think they, I don't really go around preaching to everyone that I'm vegan. They would sort of ask. Well, usually it's like, usually what supplements, you know, do you take, do you take protein powder and do this? And I'm like, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, no, just plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broccoli. Yeah. yeah. Like, I actually, I tried taking 
protein powder before and even a vegan type and I just hopeless I forget all the time mm -hmm. like I just I don't need it really and I haven't really had any issues with like losing muscle mass and all that sort of stuff it's just stayed the same so yeah so introducing like some vegan food to people quite funny actually yeah, so you, like, you oh, it tastes really good and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what did you think it was going to be like lettuce yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you worry you might lose your crossfit license for not being paleo, <laughs> not being paleo. Oh. so yeah that's the interesting one i actually don't think i've ever met a crossfitter who is that strict that they follow it 100 percent mm -hmm. to be honest like they kind of do, and then they actually get it completely wrong. So they will, if they, they do sort of claim to be paleo, they will eat so much meat, which actually is not what paleo is about. It's about, yeah, it's like eating some meat, but it's also eating a massive amount of vegetables and no dairy and, you know, all that sort of stuff, but then they're eating dairy. And then, and then the proportions are way out of sync. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was a really big thing there for a while. I don't know if it is as much anymore. It doesn't seem to be. Yeah. Nutrition is really important. I mean, you can't out-train a crappy diet. So, you know, once we sort of get people to a point where they're just kind of comfortable exercising and being in the gym and all that sort of stuff, then, then maybe, you know, that next step will be kind of just discussing, you know, like, oh, have you thought about cutting out this and cutting out that? that might help with your performance and, you know, make you feel better and you'll cover faster and, and things like that. So you must yeah. have to be pretty organized with your own food. Cause I know you work really long hours in a really yeah. active job and like you need to eat a lot more food if you're just eating plants. Yeah, you do, right? So yeah, we are very organized. Sunday's usually meal prep day for lunches at least. We were cooking. So Sarah, she'll be at the gym in the evenings with me most of the time until I finish as well. So she gets home just as late as me, so it's not like she can go home and sort of help prepare some food or something. So we would used to cook when we got home, but we weren't eating until sort of 9.30 at night, which is just way too late. Yeah, if you're getting up at like 5 the next day. Yeah, so then we found this kind of ready-made meal local company that do vegan stuff. Mm. So they're called Lavana, and they've just been like a lifesaver because their food's great and it's just nice and easy. We can just heat it up, we can have a cold, and for us it works really well. So we usually do that. For maybe two or three nights, we cook a big meal Sunday and that'll do us for two nights, so Sunday, Monday, and then, you know, you've got to have a cheat night in there, so Friday night's takeaway night. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be good all the time, so. And there's so much amazing vegan takeaway food now, like. Oh, the northern suburbs, it's just so place good. to be for it. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, and they just keep popping up more and more and more. Yeah. Red Sparrow. Oh, oh, the best. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily I trained a fair bit because, yeah, that, that stuff's just really, it's so yummy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just making sure you eat, you're eating enough. So lunches are quite big and drinking enough water and all that sort of stuff because when you're having to talk to people all day, it can be sort of tiring and, you know, you need to be, you know, making sure you're on when people are there and stuff like that. So, yeah. Just, yeah, nutrition is really important for me and, yeah, Sarah. So, so are there any high-profile CrossFitters that are sort of moving towards veganism or is it something that you see as growing? In CrossFit? Mm. Not necessarily. There are a few people who are sort of active a little bit on social media who, are, who sort, of, sort of say they're vegan and they do CrossFit. So CrossFit has kind of moved away in some ways from what it was initially, so... It was just sort of this exercise program that was really well uh, sort of organised for sort of everyday people and you sort of fit into an hour and 
sort of thing like that. But then when the CrossFit Games came along, it really changed how people approach it. Mm-hmm. So some places are very full on, as in it's like we're all about training people for CrossFit Games, you know, the first stage being the open, which is what everyone can enter and do, which we just, some of us just finished at the gym. So it's like a five week, they release one workout every week for five mm-hmm. weeks and you have to complete it, submit a score and so on. So it's kind of like the first step. So a lot of gyms became about planning their whole year around just this one event. Mm. Which um, sort of is the opposite of what CrossFit was originally, right? Because my understanding is that it's sort of all about being at peak fitness at any time across yeah. any sort of type of exercise. Any type of exercise. Yeah. And it's like, you're not going to be amazing at gymnastics. You're not going to be amazing at weightlifting because mm-hmm. you, unless you train that specific thing all the time, like it's just, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're a really good jack of all trades. Yeah, that's yeah. basically what you become when you do CrossFit. Um, but the competitive side of things i think isn't a healthy thing so you're about trying to have optimal health and wellness yeah crossfit the sport is not that and so people see what they perceive to be amazing athletes and they are like what they can do is quite incredible on social media but they're not healthy people because to be a top performer and this pretty much goes for most sports you are skirting the edge of hurting yourself Mm -hmm. and high performance because you have to like push yourself past where it's hurting Mm because yeah and you know there was that thing for, you know, a while where, you know, you have a lot of kind of ex-military people who were kind of up there in CrossFit and sort of broadcasting. It was like, they go hard, you go home and all this sort of stuff. And then, like, I can tell you, I was in the military and some of these gyms are more hardcore than what the military was. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't need to be like that. So, yeah, I think what, you know, what the founder, Greg Glassman, what he sort of initially envisaged was not the CrossFit Games, and that just came along. And it's great for some people, like it, some people really feed off it, and it can be a really positive thing, but then it can be quite hard for others. They can be very critical of themselves because it's like, oh, I can't do this, and, you know, I'm no good, and I've been doing this for so long, and I'm still no good. So it's just making people aware of, I guess it's not something we really push at the gym. So I, we, we sort of let people know about it, but I certainly am not sort of trying to sign up as many people as I can to do it. It's just kind of like, we're going to do it. If you can, give it a try. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you might want to make sure that people are kind of aware of why they're there in the first place. And sort of, it's very easy to get carried away with everything because it's all new and it's exciting and I'm making all these results happen really quickly and, you know, um, getting stronger and things like that. And then it sort of can come a little bit crashing down when it's now competition. And some people don't handle the stress of competition very well. Yeah, it kind of freaks them out and they start, like, losing sleep and all that stuff. It's just like another sort of pressure that they don't need. Yeah, they just don't need. Yeah, you know, people are already stressed enough as it is half the time. So you want the gym to be a place that's kind of like a, I guess, like a sanctuary where they can just come and, they can leave all those problems to one side for an, at least an hour and just, you know, get told what to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah just move and breathe. Yeah, and... Yeah. yeah, which is sort of what I'm more about, which we are more about at the gym. So there's two of us at the gym, there's Josh and myself. So we're the ones that sort of started it. That kind of leads me into a couple of questions. Mm. The first one, which you touched on a little bit with the real high pressure environment is like, I know you can hurt yourself doing any form of physical movement and being sedentary is not good for your body either. But CrossFit is kind of notorious for a lot of people injuring themselves on in sessions. Yeah. Where do you think this comes from? And are there things that you do to kind of help keep people safe? Yeah, so some of the problems with CrossFit is, so you pay when you become an affiliate. You pay to use the name, and that's basically all CrossFit have to do with you after that. So they're not like, you need to run it like this. 
there's no kind of like set sentences that you must do at all. It's literally like you can do whatever you like. So I think in the early days, I think there might have been a few places that were just kind of inexperienced. You know, you can open one technically without having any qualification at all. So you don't have to have a, be a personal trainer. You don't have to be. And this is in America. I'm not even talking about Australia, but no PT, no degree. So, you, you know, you do your two-day course and then bang, you can open a CrossFit, which is kind of scary, yeah. really, because people will trust that you know what you're talking about and you mightn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and skills like Olympic lifting are pretty complex. Yeah, they're really complex. Yeah. And, you know, you just can't throw someone into that. You kind of have to assess them a little bit first, see where their sort of mobility restrictions are. You know, can they do basic movements first before you progress on to like these more advanced uh, movements as well? You know, you can practice things safely with something really light, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, a really super light. We've got these training bars that are weigh eight kilos. Mm-hmm. You know, so you basically don't even feel it in your hands, but there is something there. So at least they can kind of, they can follow along with everyone else. But yeah, it's just making sure that we progress people depending on where they're at. So you get some people that pick things up really fast. I find people that have done, it's funny, dancing and or gymnastics or any kind of body movement, martial arts, they have really good spatial awareness. They can just kind of make their bodies move because we don't have mirrors at the gym. So the idea is that you can learn how to move your body by feel. Like you should be able to feel these positions and know where that is and we sort of either push you into those positions so you know what it feels like and we're like you know you need to feel it bracing here and you need to feel tight here so that they can learn themselves because when people look in the mirror they're not concentrating on what they're doing they're just watching themselves Mm -hmm. and then that sort of leads into making sure that people are lifting things safely with techniques so we kind of ran that home pretty much every session it's like do it like this you know just um, like make that muscle memory yeah and we do it as to the group like we'll explain exactly what we want them to do we run them through every movement that we want them to do so they're just repeating you know those same uh cues so think of this think of that you know you could give someone 20 cues and they'll be so confused so we usually just pick one or two and then we might just pick another separate one a couple in you know two or three weeks time so we just kind of make sure they're just thinking of different things but yeah it is tricky because you can get people who haven't done anything for 15 years and then you get people who have you know they've always done weight training you know and so it's pretty easy transfer for them you know there isn't really too much they can't do and then you'll throw some gymnastics in there and they're completely confused so (laughs) yeah it's just making sure that people work within themselves they're just having that conversation that main thing about you know and that's why i liked i love what i love about yoga is that they talk about intention which is kind of the same sort of thing we just don't really call it that i guess but it's just finding like why are you here okay just keep that in mind you know we're not trying to be the world's strongest deadlifter it's just like we do deadlifts to help with picking things up off and off the ground um you know off the ground and stand up with it and you put it back down again you know and then protects your back and, yeah like you yeah. can pick up your kids and not yeah, hurt yourself and move house yeah, and be yeah, okay yeah yeah and you know not put your back out back out moving the fridge or something yeah. like that so um they're kind of like everyday people that we're just trying to make stronger and more healthy so we just really emphasize techniques it's just really important that people you know concentrate on that and you know, sometimes it can be a little tricky because you will get people who want to push very hard. I find it's generally the guys that are a bit like that. They become a little bit competitive and it's especially like, oh, I used to be able to do this and they just haven't trained for a little while and they can't. So, yeah, you just got to tell them. And we just take the weight off. You know, it's pretty much like this is how it is. <laughs> <laughs> like you do it in a nice way. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, our members' safety is 
number one priority. So we want them to be able to keep training. We don't need a whole bunch of injured people that just can't get into the gym because, you know, they hurt themselves for whatever reason. And, I mean, you feel terrible even if you have kind of really informed someone and told them not to do something. Yeah. Like, if they hurt themselves in your care, like, yeah. you feel awful. It's You're really responsible bad. It's for It's our responsibility. Them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I touch wood. We really haven't had any anything happen most of the time that people that have hurt themselves as because they'll be doing their own thing at home to be yeah. honest but like i just saw the workout and <laughs> i just had some stuff so i did it and then you know but my shoulder's really sore I'm like yeah probably not the smartest thing to do so yeah it's just kind of educating people as well yeah because you want to be sort of empower people to be able to help each other but like we can't have it's not personal training so we're not on people watching every single thing they do like we expect people to be able to once they know and they're experienced enough to do it themselves but if you can get enough people that know what they're doing they can really can keep an eye on each other which is great i see that in the yoga class as well if there's enough people that kind of have the movements in their body mm. it's kind of that group energy mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of like modeling around so yeah. if you don't know what you're doing but the person next to you does you can just have that little cue mm. of oh yeah people you know learn by watching like they may not realize mirror neurons mm. are like huge right mm. so if you get someone who's really good at what they do put them at the front of the class <laughs> and everyone's going to copy them because they're too scared to ask you sometimes you know oh am i doing this right because you know they're just scared of feedback so they'll just copy the person and you can see it straight away so it's great because it's like yeah she's got really good technique so follow her <laughs> <laughs> you know especially with things like olympic lifting and things like that so i noticed as well that i think seeing a lot of different body types do the same movement can also be really helpful mm-hmm. because sometimes if you see an instructor do a movement, it's all so smooth and fluid mm-hmm. that it's hard to even see what's happened. Oh, yeah. But then when you see four other different people all do that same movement correctly, but all a little bit different, yeah. it's, I think it helps people put the pieces together yeah. for themselves. Oh, definitely. It can be a little bit tricky with new people because they always see what the best person can do. Oh, look what they... And I'm like, yeah, but if you look around here... <laughs> and I do this, basically. I'm like, see, like, they're doing this and they're doing that. So and that's where you'll start. And then, then you'll end up doing what this person's doing, which is a pull-up or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, as instructors or coaches, when we demonstrate something, we, we generally have been doing it for so long... It's just so easy for us. You know, it's like, yep, yeah, I can do that and I can make it look like this. I mean, I think a single leg squat's probably the most, the funniest example. That's your party trick. <laughs> yeah, I've actually always been really good at them. I don't know why. It's weird. I don't know if it's something to do with rowing and just having good flexibility and strength in my legs. Um, Maybe martial arts. Yeah, that too. I don't know. But I've never really found them super hard. So I can just pop one out and then, and then people are like, oh, yeah. And then they go to do it and they're like, they just kind of hate it. Yeah, I don't know. So it's, you know, it's quite funny. So it's good when you can then have other people who aren't at that level and they can see that, you know, ah, oh, cool, okay, so this is how we do it and you can build to that. And every different body type is different. So not everyone is structurally the same. So that whole thing of like, this is exactly how it's going to look for every single person. It's just incorrect. So you do have to work around how people set up a little bit differently. Like if their leg lengths, you know, leg is a little bit shorter or their torso is a bit longer or the other way around, you know, that's going to alter where things are moving and things like that. So, yeah, you just got to adapt sort of the movement slightly for everyone. Yeah. So they're sort of getting that personal touch. I probably just don't even realise that <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, because we're like, yeah, move you here, put that there. I think yeah. it's a different energy as well when it's kind of 
a group session while you're there to help people, it's like everyone takes that little bit more self responsibility. <laughs> but whereas a one on one session, it's very you're driving it as the instructor yeah. as opposed to people. Yeah. And look, some people do need PT, and for some, when they initially start, we will suggest that they do PT first, especially if they just haven't done anything for a really long time. Mainly because they have no real body awareness, there isn't much strength there. So they almost need like baby steps first. Mm -hmm. And then once they sort of have this sort of base level of strength, and then we can sort of get them into the class. And it's just about making them feel comfortable as well. Because, you know, if you haven't done anything for a while and you're thrown into a class where there is a whole bunch of some really fit people, it can be really intimidating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and gyms are intimidating anyway for lots of people because they have this idea and I used to work in them and I know what it's like that they are these like basically scary places where no one talks and you're getting judged every five seconds, which is absolutely not the case where we are. Like no one really knows what anyone else is doing. It's just this perception that people have of gyms. So you're just trying to alleviate those fears. And when, when that happens and they really buy into the program, it's insane. Like it actually changes people's lives it's crazy like we've had people say you know i don't know what i'd do without the gym now and these are people who i'd never think would have stayed and then all of a sudden it's just like they're coming four or five times a week <laughs> and they've got a smile on their face and they're confident and they're laughing and when they first start it's just like really everything's internal they're just kind of watching and there's not much going you know so when you break that ice it's pretty cool to see really mm. Mm. i think there's something really cool as well as an adult Unless you seek it out, we don't get this as much opportunity to do new movements in our bodies as we get older. So it's something that's really fun in yoga and in aerial yoga as well. You're like, oh, I've got all these new possibilities and I'm just so in the moment of kind of learning this new thing. And then, you know, when you've kind of gone through that progression of like being completely befuddled by it to like having that movement just feel so natural in your body. It's so satisfying yeah. and rewarding. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think, you know, when you sort of finish school, unless you sort of keep playing sport for a little while, maybe into your 20s or something like that, it sort of peters out, like work takes over, and then people just kind of stop doing stuff yeah. <laughs> to a degree. And, you know, they go to the gym, you know, your 24-7 gym, and it's just kind of like, now what do I do? You know, so then they come to something like, yeah, like yoga or uh, CrossFit or sort of some sort of calisthenics class or something like that. And all of a sudden it's like you're doing all these movements that you've sort of never done before or you're sort of training your body. If you, you know, used to do sports, you sort of remember how much fun that used to be, like really sort of exerting yourself and getting your heart rate up and that endorphin rush that you don't get anymore, but now you do because <laughs> you train. So I think it is kind of fun. And then people start mastering things and you can, you know, you can see like, oh, it's so much easier now and things start smoothing out, like the lifts get better and, you know, I can do a handstand, I can do, you know, pull-ups, muscle-ups, you know, all that sort of stuff that just was never even in their sort of mind that they could do and now they can't and it's pretty cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that actually because usually in yoga it's all about movements that are kind of down-regulating the sympathetic nervous system and kind of getting us more into the rest and digest response and kind of slowing the heart rate down a little mm -hmm. but there's obviously physiological benefits to high intensity exercise that you don't get when you are kind of working on soothing the systems of the body do you want to kind of go into some of the benefits you would only get for a high intensity workout? High intensity, you know, we want the elevated heart rate 
and you want people sweating. And so you, we find that that endorphin hit that you get only really happens when you get when you actually do that. When so, you exert yourself. Yeah, like a walk is not exercise. You know, Physical Activity Australia, I think that the last time I checked, it was like a minimum of 150 minutes of moderate exercise um, a week, which is not much. And they're basically talking like a brisk walk to maintain health, which, you know, unfortunately our country is like so overweight in general and, and childhood obesity is so scarily high that they think it's going to be the next um, epidemic basically since smoking, um, which I'm not surprised at because, you know, the amount of physical activity kids do, do these days is so much less than when I was a child. We didn't have iPads and stuff like that. And I had pretty strict parents, so it was like hour of TV and then outside, you know. <laughs> I just don't think that happens anymore. We want to sort of get people moving, get them to sort of start feeling better after the training. Like the training itself is really hard, but, you know, aerobic fitness is good for your cardiac health. So heart health is really important. And you really only get that by making the blood pump around your body. Um, so you need to train, you know, hard to sort of to do that. And it's not like you can train, you don't want to be doing uh, high intensity all the time. I think people get this idea that CrossFit's like what we do is maybe like that, but it's not. So you kind of have to manage some people who train a lot. Just tell them to say, look, maybe pick two or three sessions a week where you go quite hard and then the rest you need to be moderate. You sort of like change those intensities just like you would change the, work, the weight in the workout if it's too heavy. So, yeah, I don't really think anyone's going 100%, 100% of the time. I think it's more about managing it. Well, those going, are people that hurt themselves. Yeah, right, and you don't need that. Like 80 to 90% is going to be plenty. Like that's going to get you fit and it's going to make you feel better and you're going to have better overall health when you do that. So... Yeah, high intensity, it has its place. Like you can get a lot of bang for your buck in a uh, short amount of time as well. So, and then you add in weight to that as well, like provided people can do it safely. Um, and then you can have a bit of both going on there. So they're sort of building their strength. They're improving the sort of cardiac health, aerobic capacity. And it's a really good combination of, of um, good stuff, mixing all together really. Mm. And I'm seeing a lot online, like some really prominent yoga teachers being quite outspoken about how they lift heavy weights now and how beneficial they've found that. And I think these are people who tend towards hyperflexibility anyway, and then were very disciplined and dedicated to their practice and perhaps pushed themselves too far flexibility wise. And what they've actually had to do to get out of pain is to start lifting. So what what happens in the body when you are lifting heavy weights that maybe doesn't happen in a body weight type exercise? Well, it depends on the body weight exercise. You can take body weight training to quite an extreme. I mean, if you look at a gymnast, for example, I mean, they're like arguably probably pound for pound, probably the most strongest uh, athletes you can have overall in, in all sort of areas. So, I mean, like they're super strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most of their training is body weight. Like they do a little bit of weights, but not really. But it's just the degree of difficulty that you can make your body move in. So it gets to a point where regular people, they're not going to have the time to do what a gymnast does. So you can, you can take body weight training quite far, I believe. But then at the end of the day, it just depends how much time you have. So you know, then you can sort of start bringing in weights and that's an external object. So then you're then recruiting more of your muscle fibers to have to actually work to sort of move that object. So I think maybe with yoga, because you get so flexible from doing it, it's almost like you're too flexible. And then when you 
have those joints that are super, super flexible, you need to have some kind of control. So it's about having that stability, I think. Not so much working the mobility of the joint then, it's like, can you got stable joints where you can control? Because um, we do get some people who've done yoga before, practice it still who come in and they're very, very flexible. So it's great for certain things, like a lot of the positions that we want them to get into, they have really no dramas. Squat, no problem. Yeah, but then it's like controlling that, right? So how low is too low? And then do they completely lose their core in the bottom of the squat Mm. or can they keep that engaged while having weight on their back? Because you don't want people just collapsing, but they can do it because they're so flexible. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, we want those muscles to get strong as well and be able to support their bodies because yoga is very much about like you're saying, you know, relaxing and, and, and down-regulating. But in lifting, it's the opposite. Like, we need things to activate and switch on. So it's just it's just educating people and getting them to understand, okay, so, like, when you squat here, you know you need to go this low. You don't have to basically sit on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but things like generally, generally things like uh, overhead, so, you know, like a handstand, for example, or a pull-up where people have to hang with straight arms. Like, it's really helpful to have really flexible shoulders Sometimes people can have over-flexible elbows, mm-hmm. which can be good for Olympic weightlifting, believe it or not, but for other things, not so much, you know, because at the end of the day, we want optimal, that optimal health. So, yeah, a little bit of strength and a little bit of flexibility, it really, really helps. They meld very well together, and I think maybe that's why they're sort of starting to sort of see that shift to yoga teachers that are starting to do it a little bit more because they're realising the benefits of it. Like I said, you can only take body weight to a point. I think, and then you can add in all these extra things that will help speed it up a little bit as well. I guess yeah. as well, when you're a teacher who's been teaching and practicing just with your body weight for 20 yeah. or 30 years, then you kind of do need to add something new into the mix if yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just a different stimulus mm. because your body will get really used to doing the same thing after a while, and then it needs something there to kind of kickstart it a little bit. So, you know, doing something like weights can help with that a lot yeah and you find you know that people will have more control in the movements they do yeah and especially if they want to be able to do inversions and stuff like doing yoga you need strength to do that Mm -hmm. like people think yogis aren't strong they are (laughs) (laughs) you know they just might look like a bodybuilder with bulgy muscles but they have very good control in some movements so you know um, it helps with that yeah yeah, probably without them realising, maybe. And you do yoga as well, right, as yeah. part of your mix? Yeah, yeah. What do you get out of it? So for me, I've tried some flows and classes and things like that, and I actually found yin was the best for me. So with because my job is just so full on, um, a lot of the day having that time where I literally don't talk and I can't check my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this is why yin's growing in popularity, I think. For most people. Yeah. The world is so young. We need you. Yeah. Right. You need that thing where it's just like, you know, you take some time out. And initially, the hard part wasn't for me, like, not to concentrate. It was just trying to stay awake. Because I get shivasana, I literally fall asleep. Like, Sarah would be poking. Oh, you're not the only one. (laughs) It's so quiet and it's warm and, you know. Um, But the more I sort of did it, the more I found I could feel how much the stretches were helping with me with my other training. Yeah. Mm. I always struggled always had pretty tight shoulders so getting overhead has been always sort of been a bit difficult for me but now it's like no dramas and I pretty much I think it's because of yin that's really why um and it just helps with you know mobility in the squats and things like that it just helps so much 
but not even just like from that standpoint, just a stress reliever, really. Yeah, it's nice to just be able to stretch things out. And the stretching is intense. You know, I think people think stretching is going to be this relaxing thing. And I'm like, no, you're not doing it right if you're relaxed. Like, that's what the rebound's for. <laughs> yeah, like, live for that, get to there. And then, you know, you move into the other poses. But, you know, it can be quite challenging to hold those poses and not fidget. That was really hard at the start for me because I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. My toe tuck is killing my feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All those dragon poses are just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. how would yeah. I like to be here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, like, come on, come on, surely, surely it's time. Um, but, yeah, like after a sort of, yeah, you could, I could really feel the difference. Yeah, I could get into those poses much deeper. I think initially, too, was what was tricky was not going too hard mm-hmm. you know so it's like finding that edge and then just trying to stay there without forcing something that's not there yet and it's the same i think sort of got me thinking about with crossfit or our classes you know people see people who are really good and they're like why can't i be as good as that and you see you can see it in yoga there's people who can do some crazy stuff like i'm like i don't think i'll ever get there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've just been doing it for longer and it's like oh yeah that's basically it they're way more you know, disciplined with their practice than you, and you do it twice a week, they are probably doing it five times, six times a week. And also, like, it's the beauty of yoga and probably CrossFit as well. There'll always be the poses, just feel like your body is meant to do that, and it's a breeze, and you can just relax there, and then there'll be something else that you'd, like, toast down, where you're just like, I can't imagine ever being comfortable (laughs) here. But there's going to be someone right out there with, like, freakishly bendy toes who are just like, what are you all complaining about? Yeah. There's always going to be something to challenge you, and then... There'll be things you're good at, and there'll be things that are just going to be the hardest thing in the world. Square for me, like and she and uh shoelace it just i'm like struggle so much like to the point where i was like i don't even am i doing this properly it all seems to be like their knees are here and mine are like in my head <laughs> and it's like excruciating but the more i've done it the more like it's improved just like doing it so it's like well yeah you just you clearly you've got to do it a bit more you know <laughs> i think one of the hidden in benefits as well is just patience because yes. we kind of get the benefits not when we're pushing well, not when we're pushing at all, just when we've kind of set up the architecture of the shape and then letting the body mm-hmm. release into it. And you know you're going to be there for minutes. So, like, when you kind of surrender to that mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, yep, I'm just going to breathe into this. And there's so much happening in that time as well. Like, you're just in the same basic shape, but you can feel like what, things releasing yeah, or just awareness moving to a part mm-hmm. of your body that you haven't been paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to kind of flow back out into the rest of your life when... Yeah. You just are like, yep, I'm just here for the ride, I'm here for the journey, and you know, yeah. I'll get to lie down after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it does yeah, teach good patience, I think. And it's the same, you know, when you're sort of teaching people how to do lift weights and all that sort of stuff. Like, people can be a bit impatient, they want to load it up and they want to sort of go heavy, and it's like, yeah, but you're not ready yet, so you just got to be patient. <laughs> like, just take your time and, like, let's just make sure you're doing all these things right. The weight will come and you will lift more if your technique's good because if you keep going with the technique that's bad, you can only go so far before something breaks or you just can't go any further because the technique's not there. So, and yeah. then you'll have to go back and relearn. And you're going to have to relearn how to do it well. Well, you're just going to have to actually listen <laughs> from the first time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so. And it did teaches a bit of resilience too i think when things are a little bit hard and you've got to work for them rather than just being like this easy ride you know people are always after a little bit of a quick fix sometimes i think so just this sort of 
you know, with him in particular, you have to earn those poses. Like if you want to be really good at them, you're going to have to kind of suck it up a little bit. Like mm. it's going to be uncomfortable <laughs> and you're just going to take the time to, you know, do it. So, and it's the same with fitness and strength, you know, it just takes time and you have to, yeah, you know, just go through the motions and turn up and do the, do the sessions. And then all of a sudden you can do all these things that you thought you couldn't do before. And I guess as well, there's the kind of end goal of, maybe achieving a movement that you couldn't do mm. before but there's also the immediate goal of like oh i just feel good now yeah like you know i feel relaxed my body feels good yeah and i think that that probably kind of leads on to sort of you know people with kind of self-esteem issues about like body image and all that sort of stuff like it's a tricky thing and it's it really depends on the person like we really try to shift the focus away from that if you can get people stop thinking about that and more about just like training and how they feel and then all of a sudden they feel really good so they just start training and then all that other stuff that gets kind of gets forgotten about like we've got people that you know i think they initially joined for that reason and it's just weight loss yeah and it just hasn't really been their focus anymore because they don't really care (laughs) so much because the training and the enjoyment of training has just taken over Um, they're just feeling good in their bodies again yeah and we are conditioned that every we should look a certain way. Well, in reality, it's just not how it is. Like everyone is different. Some people are really lucky. They've got like that slim build, and you know, you ask anyone, they'll always find something that they don't like about themselves. So it's just trying to get them to stop thinking about that as being the driving reason. And there needs to be something a little bit more than just that superficial reason. Because once um, they reach that goal, then maybe that's it for them. They don't want to train anymore. So you just want them to sort of really start enjoying it and they feel results, they feel better, like they sleep better, you know, maybe they are less tired at work and they can be more productive and stuff like that. Maybe they're a better partner and a husband, <laughs> sort of things like that. So um, Is that stuff that you kind of talk about overtly mm, when you're training people or are they just the benefits that you kind of let yeah, happen in the background? Yeah, I don't really try to force it, but it's, you know, if someone has, for example, you know, they're really sore, you can't really be like, oh, look, I know basically if you do this, it's all going to go away. Because basically 90% of the time it will, <laughs> but they won't believe you. So you just kind of let them, you just play little seeds along the way and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, wow, I feel amazing. You know, I, guess I should have done well, this five years ago. I'm like, but, you know. <laughs> I guess as well, you don't necessarily want to make promises to people that, no, you know, maybe no. won't come true. Yeah, exactly. Like if they come to you with back pain, yeah. you feel like it's going to get better if they just start moving. You kind of can't. No. No, yeah, and it's, yeah, you have to be, you know, you do have to be careful with sort of some things because some people come with quite full-on injuries. Like there's some really sort of tricky things that people have and if it's beyond myself or Josh, like we just refer out. We're really lucky. We've got a really good network of practitioners who we trust and they train as well. So they're very much like, you know, well, we need to keep doing things and, you know, we have people who have injured themselves and they just come in and we just modify so they can still do a lot of things, but, you know, we just take away what they can until it's recovered and then get them back strong again. And then it's just, you know, straight back into it, really. And mm. so do you have any strategies, say, someone who is coming to you and you do feel like they are that person that, like, needs a bit of more, bit more support or a bit more nurturing? Do you kind of have a slightly different approach with them or is it your approach kind of the same for everyone? Um, no, you tailor it. You do have to tailor it. And we do. You know, there are some, especially people who are very timid, you can tell when they're scared, basically, and they haven't got much confidence. You know, we will spend more time possibly with them at the start. And once they sort of feel more comfortable, you can sort of encourage them to do more things. Most of the time, it's not like a physical limitation for those sort of people. It's a mental thing. So 
So you're just going to build their confidence. You're just going to build their confidence. And you're like, you should give this a try today. And they're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they do it. Or the group pressure gets to them and they just do it. It's really funny when you see that. Because you'd be like, ah, they're doing like a burpee. And they've never done that before. You know, we used to just do push-ups, you know. And now they're doing it because everyone else is doing it. And they don't want to feel left out. (laughs) And it's not that they can't do it. It was just like this fear inside of them, which is, is pretty funny. So, yeah, you just... And some people, they, they, they don't really need much. Like, they're just, like, straight in there. On the, they're probably on, sometimes on the opposite end of the spectrum. That's, like, got to pull them back a little bit because they're, like, bulls at a gate. They just want to do everything. They want to come in every day. And so you have to kind of, yeah, and put so on a just, few different hats, I guess. Do you just say to that person, I don't think you're ready for that? Or are you kind of a bit more diplomatic than that? You can be a little bit more diplomatic. Some people, if you can't get upside down, like, you can't do it. You know, like, this is literally, you know, the movement would literally just stop them. So then you can be like, okay, so now we need to go through this, this, and this to get you to there. And so sort of once you lay it out, a bit of a plan, and they can understand the progressions of how it works, then they kind of understand a little bit more. It's just everyone's a little bit different, so you just kind of have to tailor it to them. So, And that's why we always try to have two of us on most of the time. There's only like a couple of sessions where we don't. And that allows us to have someone overlooking the overall class. And then if we have those newer people or those sort of things happening, we can sort of help them a little bit more and it's not impacting on anyone else. It's just about making people feel comfortable. Once they feel comfortable, like they're in all the time. (laughs) And we're lucky. We've got really awesome members. So that makes a big difference as well. So, yeah, when you've got, you know, people that will introduce themselves and they chat to people and all that sort of stuff. It really helps. I guess that's the culture you've created as well. Yeah. When you sort of help push that, then we don't have to do it as much because not that it's fake coming from us, but it's more genuine for people, I think, when they see the other people doing that. that I guess it just goes from being like, oh, yeah, like, Tommy's a really lovely instructor. He's always really friendly to like, oh, it's a really friendly place. Mm. Everyone's really friendly. Like in general, actually, everyone just kind of like wants to know and they like care about me and if you're not here, they'll be like, why, where have you been? You know, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So like that sort of thing is really nice to see. I guess there's a bit of camaraderie as well. I mean, you know, yeah. everyone's like panting and like dripping yeah. buckets of sweat. And they're all doing it together. Experience. Yeah. And when you sort of get people who train at the same times, you know, they see each other every day sometimes, you know, five times a week. So, you know, they do really build those friendships really. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So, yeah. I remember long time ago when I did it briefly like if you're sort of struggling people would be like you know come on like you know yeah it was a really supportive environment which yeah I think. yeah and, you know you just you want to make sure that people kind of you know are sort of not pushing themselves too hard but you need them to try so yeah yeah you know with you know getting people to be motivated and all that sort of thing you know there has to be some level of self motivation i guess they've showed up and they've paid so obviously they want to be there <laughs> well that's my that's my thing i'm like you just need to get here you know if you can get here we will take care of the rest you just have to get in the door yeah <laughs> because there is always reasons why you can always find an excuse to not have to do something so you know it's like yeah you've committed now you're paying to come like you need, you need to come in right like we'll sort everything out you will get you what you want but you know you have to get this so and then i guess if you feel leave feeling much better than when you arrived well that's it we've done the job (laughs) that's the idea i mean you've touched on it a little bit but i was wondering if you could tell us how you decide what to sequence or you know how you structure say a week or a month Uh, like all the programming that we do yeah yeah we program our strength it's a little bit more repeated 
mm-hmm. because you kind of have to to, mm-hmm. to do you have to that. focus on that same muscle a few yeah, days a few in a row to get it stronger uh, yeah i try not to do i don't want to get too science here but percentage-based programs okay so you might let's say for example we're doing back squats we might do okay this week you're doing 70 percent on your heaviest single which we can kind of you can predict it or you can actually try and find it so it depends on if you're so is that the heaviest weight you mm, can lift so if you're really advanced then maybe we can we can try and find a heavy single if you're not and you're really new we wouldn't do that we would just sort of get to a number and then we'll leave it there and then we just use that and that's fine to start with for most people and then next week we would go to 80 percent, and the next week we might go to 85 and things like that you can do it that way and it does really work if people have a really set goal in mind and they're really diligent with their training like if they're really structured they're organized and they come in and they don't miss a session it works great if they're not which is pretty much most people <laughs> it doesn't work so you know it's better just to do with basically how do you feel on the day like if you're feeling like strong, okay, let's make go a little bit heavier today. If you're not feeling so strong, you can still do it. Just don't go so heavy. So that's how we will do strength. And then, yeah, like we will repeat those movements basically every week, but the days they fall on will change. And sometimes we'll swap a few out and just introducing some different things there. So there's not too much, um, there's a bit more variety, I guess. And then the conditioning, that will vary a lot. So yeah, we will, you know, incorporate kettlebells and dumbbells and bodyweight movements and weights and aerobic works and running and skipping and rowing and ski ergs and bikes and all this sort of stuff just to really change it up because yeah monotony is the enemy and if people are just doing the same thing after a while it just gets boring yeah (laughs) so yeah we can really kind of change that around and it just depends we want maybe people to work in the, for a specific time, it can be interval based. We might be like, we want you to work through this list of things as quick as you can, and then once you're done, that's it. So yeah, we just try to vary that up a lot, the amount of movements that are in there as well. So there might be like one movement, like a few weeks ago, months maybe, we did a 5K run for like, and that would be for like the sort of regular people. And then we just scale down from there. Like if you can't do five, let's get you to do three. If you can't run, let's get you to row or you can ski or you can bike. So there was like all these different options. So that might be, you know, that one or we might have eight movements in there that you work through. So, yeah, there's just different ways we sort of do it. And then we usually do a week in advance at the moment. Um, I just find that works best, uh, mainly because we like to do quite a bit of running and outside stuff. So the weather if I put too much too far forward, then I, if it's pouring rain, like we don't need people running out outside and doing stuff. So we just kind of organise it around that. And then also on uh, our members' abilities. So we program for, I guess we say the best, the fittest, and then we scale down for everyone else. So we kind of look at, okay, how long would it take these people in particular, we know are the fitter people at the gym, okay, how long is it going to take them to do all this? And then we just work from there. Um, so it's challenging enough for them and then not impossible for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do, if you ever come and you see what, how class works, most of the time there's only a few people that are actually doing it as it's written. And then from there, it's different for everyone else. So they would just change the way, the movement, you know, um, just to make things challenging, but not impossible. So, yeah. And then if they can master that particular movement then we will make it harder you can always make something harder or easier just depending on where they're at with their movement and strength and things like that so where do things like the pull-ups and the muscle-ups and stuff fit into that mix because i'd imagine that's a movement that requires a lot of strength but also a lot of technique 
Yeah, uh, well, muscle up, but yeah, yeah. massive. Um, <laughs> so, you know, pull up, you need strength. And gymnastics is that tricky one. It's not like weightlifting where you can sort of see the weight going on the bar. It's sort of like you just can't do it and you can't do it. I mean, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like there are certain things you can do, like time under tension is a big thing. So slowing things down. People build a lot of strength when they go slower. It's harder because you have to go slower. <laughs> so so you don't example, have that momentum helping you. Yeah. So, you know, for example, like if you lower yourself down on a pull-up, it builds a lot of strength as opposed to pulling. So everyone thinks it's about actually lifting your chin to the bar, but you build more strength. They call it eccentric loading by lowering. <clears throat> so you can make that really long. If you say, okay, I want you to take 10 seconds from your chin starting over the bar to going to straight arms. Like that's really hard for people to do generally. So, 10 seconds would be torture doing yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so but you can build really good strength that way. And then there's other things you can do as well. It's just to build the strength in those muscles. And then, you know, you can do a strict pull up. And then from there, once you have sort of that base sort of level of strength, then you can move to things like a muscle up. Like a muscle up requires a whole bunch of different stuff. You need to be able to pull yourself up. You need to be able to do basically a dip where the rings are really low and then press out of it. So, yeah, it's just sort of combining those movements and then learning the technique and the timing and things like that, which you sort of progress to, yeah, by doing a whole bunch of different other things that then they sort of lead to that. Um, so I guess to switch the topic a bit, just before we started recording, we were talking about like how long you work each day. And as you said, you're up at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> going through yeah. till 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, I know you do the yin yoga, but what else do you do to help maintain that work-life balance and sort of keep yourself on an even keel. When you find something that you love... <laughs> balance goes out the window. <laughs> um, oh, balance maybe goes out the window, but I think you find that things aren't hard anymore. Mm. So, you know, I have never had one day where I haven't wanted to go to work um, at the gym. It's like, like I love going in every day. It's probably, that's the, probably the hard thing is like, you actually can take some time away. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and even when I have days off, I have to stop myself from just going in and joining in with the class, which I actually like to do because when you own it, you end up not training with people. And that's what initially yeah, got me into it. Like start. you go on your own before or yeah. in between classes. In between yeah. classes, you know, we finish our, we have a 6 and 7 a.m. So the hour long. And I finish, we finish at 8 a.m. So if I don't have PT, I can train between 8 and 10, which I generally do. And then... I have from kind of 3.30 until 5. So they're kind of my windows or training windows, I guess, for myself. But it's always usually myself or Josh. So sometimes we get a couple, maybe a couple of other people that will join in with us, but usually it's just the two of us. So if I get the chance to jump in with, you know, 10 other people, I'll like jump at it. So then usually it's my day off. Right? Yeah. Because so, <laughs> I love it so much. It's not hard. Yeah, I can just go in there and, yeah, it's not a big drama for me really. And, you know, I'm lucky my wife's super supportive. She loves training and being at the gym. So it's not like she feels like she's missing out on seeing me because she's there all the time too anyway. Yeah, you're saying she's going to come to, come in and does the evening sessions. Yeah, she'll train in the evenings and in the, and the uh, weekends as well in the mornings. And then being vegan has helped a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, I noticed a huge difference when we went plant-based. So that's probably been the other big reason I can handle the amount of load and like little sleep yeah because you know it's like i probably go to bed at about 10 maybe 11 and then it's up at 
quarter past five, so it's not a huge amount of sleep. Um, <laughs> Public service announcement, I've been vegan for 20 years. I can't do that. <laughs> I need a full eight or nine I'm hours. Really I don't yeah. know, maybe it's just like uh, discipline from rowing, perhaps. And, yeah, um, you're just an early morning person. Yeah, I mean, I hate training early in the morning, but mm. I'm pretty... You can tell other people to train. Yeah, I'm pretty switched on in the first thing in the morning. Like, I think, you know, rowing was like that, and then the Air Force, you were up pretty early like they're on to you about that so but when yeah when it's your own it's not hard to get up but for me it wasn't anyway i was just like yeah this is awesome there's all these people here that want to train let's train yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah and then it's just that middle of the day that i have off so i'll finish work and be home usually around 12 and then i leave at three so i get about three hours walk the dog and you know read and i guess that's my chill out, out time yeah. yeah and then i sort of that's great and then our weekends yeah we yeah, just kind of hang around home and do bits and pieces, but we're not like crazy partying people. So yeah, you know, I'm not really sort of burning myself out on a weekend and then having That's to go recharge to time. Yeah, it's yeah. recharge and we can sort of go out for dinner and do bits and pieces and stuff like that. So yeah, that middle of the day helps a lot, I find. But yeah, it's just about managing that and the diet. I think it just helps heaps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Say someone walks in off the street, they've never been to one of your classes before. What is the one core thing that you'd like them to take away from that that class or session? I would want them to, them to feel like it's inclusive. If they feel mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, anyone, anyone can actually do this, that's pretty cool because either they're going to just be fine with it or mm-hmm. just tell someone else, hey, you know, like, you don't have to be super fit to do this. You know, there's plenty, plenty of people who are kind of unfit and they were doing it. <laughs> and then there was these really super fit people and they were really cool to see do all these things. So I guess, you, yeah, but for me, you know, young and old, and it's, yeah, that would be what I would like people to take out of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's inclusive and it's fun. You know, they're laughing. It's not super serious and, like, I'm not getting yelled at and that sort of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> if I had to pick one, it's hard to pick one, though. Yeah. <laughs> but inclusivity, I guess. Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's time for Pick of the Week. My Pick of the Week is a documentary we've been watching on Netflix called Wild Wild Country, which is... Oh, I saw that. Yeah, it's a great documentary about um, Bhagwan, otherwise known as Osho. They started a uh, big commune in Oregon. There's interesting stuff happening between the locals and, and the members of the... Well, we'll call it a cult because I guess that's what it is. And it's a really interesting documentary with many twists and turns. And I think you actually have a friend who grew up. There. Yeah, she and, grew up in the island in India rather yeah, than the one in the States. Right, and she had her own interesting perspective on that because it does seem the documentary was sort of limited to the perspective of about six or seven different people. So A couple of key people who we didn't hear from yeah, at all. Yeah, so, um, yeah no, it's, but it's a really good documentary. I, I really recommend people watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just finished, well, because I read a lot. So I was like, well, I'll just pick one of the books that I finished. I kind of read um, <laughs> a few at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I've got, yeah, Leonardo da Vinci's book I'm reading at the moment, which is like a really big Bible. So I have to read that in um, spits and spurts. But it's just really interesting reading about someone like that crazily creative mm-hmm. um, back then. So I'm reading that at the moment and then. I just actually finished, which is the one, this is my pick, uh, No Time for Fear by Paul de Gelder. So um, I listened to 
podcasts a lot when I drive. And so Rich Roll is one of kind of one of my yep. favorite ones. And he actually had him on there. So that's why I started reading his book. But he's this Aussie guy who um, was a Navy clearance diver. And he got attacked by a shark and it took his, or he ended up having to have his leg removed and his hand removed from the attack. And it's basically how he overcame that. And he, yeah, had to sort of rehab himself and just the mental side of things. And he ends up now campaigning to save sharks. That's his whole thing, even though he's attacked by one. Um, and he's, he's like, if he can have empathy for sharks, yeah. anyone can. And just, yeah, he's like perspective. He does a lot of public speaking now about just kind of being able to sort of move on from some really full-on stuff. Like he, he had to leave his job, which was his dream job, and, and then sort of having to start again. And uh, he's vegan, which is pretty cool. <laughs> because he sort of, sort of, once he started campaigning for sharks, it sort of led to one thing and the other and then, you know. Um, he became vegan. So it's a really, it was a really cool book, actually. I just just finished that. I couldn't really put it down. So that would be my pick of the week for people to read if they want some inspiration. <laughs> All right. So my pick of the week, this is a little bit of a like keeping it in the family one. But since we've been talking so much about Melbourne's amazing vegan food culture, another little side project of Ryan and mine is our website called The Vegan Guide to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So we've got lots of reviews of our favourite um, vegan places to eat at. Many more reviews that still need to be written because the podcast has taken up a bit of my like side project time. But also we've got a Facebook page. So if you have a vegan event coming up, we're happy to share it on our page. And within that pick of the week, if you are in Melbourne, Red Sparrow is really amazing. It's like <laughs> the best vegan pizza I've ever eaten. Yeah. And I'm not vegan and I rate that pizza. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's like the perfectly melty pizza cheese is kind of the vegan holy grail, and they've so nailed it. Yeah, they really have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary sometimes. Like, it's just I know, it's like, like if it was a place that did both, you're like, I don't know if I can trust this. Do they put the right cheese yeah, in my yeah, pizza? Yeah. Because it's all vegan, you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice thin base, and yeah, it's yummy. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, thanks so much for talking with us today, Tom. Yeah, it's been a great pleasure. conversation, and yeah, we've learned a lot of it. I'm sort of like, sort of half curious about um <laughs> coming along <laughs> I'll probably end up hurting myself but um... no, I don't. <laughs> you'll break their record <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you yeah. thanks thank you so I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I was actually quite surprised, as you probably heard during the episode, to hear that Tom had served in the military and also that he had competed at Twickenham. That's amazing stuff. I reckon he's got a really amazing attitude and a great perspective, so I think we can all learn from that. Alright, next episode is back into the yoga fold and it's an interview with Joe Buick. Joe is a Melbourne-based yoga teacher who has an emphasis on trauma-informed yoga. This is something I think is really important for yoga teachers and maybe even everyone in the wider world to consider, so stay tuned for that one. The theme song in this podcast is Baby Robots by GoSoul and used with permission. Do yourself a favour and get his music from gosoul.bandcamp.com. See you soon. Big, big love.